Joshua Powell of Joshua Powell and the Great Train Robbery, plus all of the other band members have come for a talk with The Antidote. Guys, thanks for coming on such short notice. Thanks for having us, man. It's a treat to be here. It's good to be here. Oh, yeah. The Joshua Powell part of the band name, that's one that's pretty easy to figure out. That's my but mom's doing. Yeah. Is that your mom's doing? Yeah. Was it also your mom's doing about the Great Train Robbery? Uh, no, that was from Wikipedia when we looked up uh, Western movies. Trying to come up with a folk-sounding band name, so... Western movies. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so we're not talking about the British Great Train Robbery. I don't even know about the British one. I know oh, about the Great the Mail Train Robbery in, in the 1960s. There's also a 1903 black and white talkie. The first narrative film was uh, was called the Great Train Robbery. Okay, so there's just way too many references. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's, it wasn't like uh, Joshua Powell and the somethings. It felt more, you know, eventful. <laughs> That means you're not actually robbing trains to make up for the lack of money being in a band? We're fairly ethical people. <laughs> we just can't admit <laughs> robbing any trains. Yeah. <laughs> you got to give us the beginnings. When and how did the band begin? Um, I was in college when I started this with a completely different group of people. And for years when I was heavily touring, uh, we just would have a hired gun sort of deal. We'd say, oh, I'm going out for four months and... Uh, who can come, you know? A hired gun for the great train robberies. Yeah. <laughs> really an anti-fighting kind of band. <laughs> All those illusions are totally accidental. Uh, Adam was in the college that I went to, and um, I was teaching a class there on touring. He was booking a tour for a band he was in. And then I was like, hey, do you want to join my band instead? Um, that was pretty great. I don't know, the other guys should tell you how they got involved. My history with Joshua actually also goes back to college when he played my fraternity's kitchen. I went to DePaul in Greencastle, and Joshua's band played there, so I kind of had that weird roundabout connection. Um, but he also went to Anderson with uh, a friend of mine, Cyrus Jungman, who I've played in another band with for quite some time. So I've kind of known him through that and have had a lot of connections back to Anderson. So yeah, and then it came about that he needed a drummer, and I was like, hey, I will be your drummer. <laughs> and there was there was a very rigorous uh, interview process. There was supposed to be, man. There was, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, mental acuity and a lot of physical tasks that I had to pass. So basically, you were able to pick up the kit and put it into a van, so you're in. Yeah, yeah, more or less. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's how I got it initially. I said, I don't have room for an electric guitar player. He said, What yeah, if I prove to you there's room in the van? And I was like, Okay, whatever. And he totally did. And I was like, well, I guess welcome to the band. <laughs> uh. My path to the band is a little more complex <laughs> and arduous. Uh, so I, through a string of people, found Joshua's music. Um, got his album from a producer who was in Indiana that I was recording with, who went to college with Joshua. Uh, he gave me his music. It was his very first album. I listened to it on my drive back, uh, back home after that recording session. Fell in love with it, loved the music, um, followed his band on, you know, on Facebook and social media and stuff, uh, probably for about a year. And it was the band that like nobody else knew that I would just like show people and like throw on like, you have to listen to this hardcore breakdown in the middle of this folk song. And, and so that went on for about a year. And then I decided to find him on Facebook and message him and say, Hey, uh, I noticed you don't have a keyboard player. Uh, I just have. Uh, can I? Yeah, it was like I will. I will be your keyboard player. And instead of the response that Colin got, I got a uh, no, thank you. <laughs> uh, 
And so that kind of actually continued for probably like two or three years. Um, but we sort of built a friendship around music. Um, I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan. When his band was up touring through Michigan, they crashed at our place. And um, I continued to play music with a band up there. When we were down in Indianapolis, we'd crash at his place. We shared some bills together, went on some tours, and just kind of kept in touch. And there was always this looming, like, begging question of me, like, saying, how about now? Uh, you know, do you need a keyboard player now? And uh, it wasn't until this last summer in 2017 that uh, Joshua gave me a call and just said, hey, uh, with this new record, we're going to be adding a lot of trippy psychedelic sounds and layers and uh we need a keyboard player and i said absolutely you were such a suck up <laughs> <laughs> i guess so but it, but it worked here it we was are endearing. it was endearing <laughs> last but not least yeah so uh i went to college in anderson uh with joshua and adam as yeah. well yeah adam and i have have played in multiple bands and different shows since we really knew each other and uh, joshua and i were were acquaintances in college but there was a couple years difference, so uh, we didn't really grow a, a proper friendship at the time. But it was really a, a strike of fate that kind of brought us together uh, last year. I was doing the corporate gig kind of thing, uh, offered a chance to start up the tech department of a company, and decided to walk away from that and to pursue music full-time. In the day that I turned in my two weeks' notice, uh, I just happened to open up Facebook, and Joshua had a post saying, Hey, we're looking for bass players for like this permanent position. Uh, just talk to me if you're interested. So I shot him a message and let him know the situation. Sounds like everybody just sort of came into this by chance or by luck. We're just from Adam and I saying, who do we like from <laughs> other bands? <laughs> it's good at music and also we can put up with for three months at a time. Well, it's like really a dream for me to have uh, actual permanent cast of players because like i've been doing this for like six years and um it was always just like a slap dash you know some singer songwriter friend that i had who played guitar i'd say hey like borrow my bass come with us for the summer and and everyone who's in the band right now is like the best that has ever been in that role and then the chemistry too is just like we all hang out for fun it's so it's the dream for me it's great so now we got the background all the band members and we got to talk about the music most musicians I speak with, they mention the artists that have influenced them. But I get the impression that music influences aren't really all that important to Joshua Powell and the Great Train Robbery. Because most of your song references come from literature, like your latest release, Eliosha, which references a character from Dostoevsky's The Brothers Karazimov. So we got to have the truth. Do you admit to being a book geek? Oh, yeah, dude, big time. Oh, big time. Yeah, uh... I have shelves on shelves of things at home. Uh, I'm always in a couple at a time. But, I mean, that's where, uh, for me, like, artistic output has always been really tied to intellectual growth. And I feel like the more I learn, the more I'm able to manipulate my materials. And um, my mom's an English teacher. I started reading when I was young. Uh, and I've always just been attracted to literature rather than pulpy stuff or modern novels. Because uh, if it's stuck around for that long, I'd like to know why. I'd like to be able to talk about it with folks and then synthesize the elements therefrom that uh, struck me in a particular light and then see what I can, you know, repurpose them into. I'd like to hear your opinion then. Is there a relationship between music and literature? Could songwriting lyrics be compared to writing a great novel? Well, I mean, that's been proven, I think, now sociologically with uh, Dylan winning that prize for literature. Um, Even if he didn't think so. Right, right. It was contentious. Kendrick, Kendrick, yeah, Yeah. just got one too. 
fantastic. Somebody is praying for him after all. Uh, I know that I personally, uh, it's super ambitious and I don't claim to have done it yet, but I'm aiming for literature with my music. The reason we call literature literature is because it's timeless, because it's universal. And so I think that the spirit behind that applies to any great music. We just don't call it literature. I'm trying to become immortal, basically. (laughs) (laughs) But music can become dated. Oh, it certainly can become dated, but other music doesn't get dated. You, you listen to On the Beach today, and, you know, every band is still trying to copy that. I've been on this huge classical kick recently, and it's like that stuff doesn't stop being potent at all. It's super transcendent. And it's like, what is it about that that makes it transcendent? How can I harness that energy and put it in my own work, you know? Well, it also looks like your reading is pretty diverse. One of your songs is about Jack Kerouac, the quote-unquote beat poet. He's played an influence on you also. Oh, yeah. Uh, certainly on my younger self. I identified really deeply with him when I was a uh, drunk, depressed road maniac. <laughs> Just as he was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was very that was very inspiring to me and romantic when I was younger. And, you know, I was just floundering. I don't know. Uh, Jack Kerouac... I, I sort of feel like intellectually, literarily, going past what he had to offer, but it hit me uh, at a really poignant part of my life. And I think that even though you could say a lot about his misogyny or you could say a lot about the fact that his spontaneous prose doesn't really hold up to the light, you know, after... But you can't not feel him when you read the Dharma bombs. Like, he has feeling language. He can write a story that, that you get invested in. Alyosha also includes an interesting track gunfighter ballad of the 21st century so here's a thought are there differences between gunfights in social media compared to the old days of western movies yeah there's a difference right (laughs) and one people's get get a bullet um that song though is just using the framework of the old west it uses that like narrative structure but it's it's a song about drone warfare i don't know i don't think i understand the question i guess it's how people are attacked in the type of fights that evolve. A modern day at a distance as drone oh, warfare sure. yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, we're saying, well, you have the, the wall of anonymity to hide behind. Right, right. which is the same as drone warfare. Yeah, that's so that's sort of really why I was bringing good, this in. Good parallel that I did not draw initially. Now I understand a little better, I think. I just think you came up with a good analogy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't have anything to add. I'm gonna have to talk to you other guys too, because sure. you are part of the band. The music of Joshua Powell and the Great Train Robbery isn't really very easy to define. At its base, I'd say it's storytelling folk, but it's also indie rock. Then you'd also mentioned earlier about bringing in the touches of psychedelic. It's like you're spanning decades in your music, but I think you've already answered this earlier. Should music be timeless? Absolutely, yeah. And and I think a, a lot of what we're finding with music that's being produced nowadays is it's a lot of kind of making like an amalgamation of of different influences whether it's like bringing oh this is like a touch of like bruce springsteen with some other elements and kind of creating this frankenstein and then once those all those parts are together it creates something new yeah i think especially with a lot of the newer songs it's more of just using things that are evocative and bring about a certain feeling or vibe kind of regardless of as far as how they're classified my kind of perspective on the music has always been very like we take a folk song and then like expand it as many times as possible and kind of make it become bigger than the fact that it's a folk song. It always feels like it has that kernel and that it was like birthed out of a folk tradition, but it's more expansive than that, I guess. It's kind of how I've always perceived it. 
then here's a typical question. Is music ever truly original versus being derivative? I mean, everything is borrowed from somewhere. There are different ways to apply ideas. This time around with the new album we're putting out and later this year, there are some new elements to us, but we definitely didn't invent anything. It's new sounds within our music, and we're applying things in a way that we definitely haven't thought of before. Yeah. Um, So it's original to us, for sure, but we all do have our influences. That's a great Mm -hmm. point, because like some of the stuff... It becomes original because you've applied the uniquity of your individual self. But, it's you know, rarely ever does something come along like the first blues artist or sure. like... You Everybody kind of, has lineages, too. I mean, yeah. We can tr- with, with any human product, I think you can trace back lineages and influences, right. you know. I think you get originality, too, though, when you, like, meld and combine different elements of right. music and genres. We were talking about Sturgill Simpson on our drive over, and yeah. he has combined certain unoriginal elements to make something very original. It's almost like gestalt. Like once you add all those parts together, that whole becomes something bigger than just those parts. And that is, I think, where originality can be spawned. You're talking about a new project mm-hmm. coming out later this year? Uh, that's the the goal. It's uh, a winter release for 2018. Yeah, a new LP called Psychotrop. Your latest release has evolved quite a bit from what you were doing previously. Oh, huge. How big a yeah. step is the next one going to be? It's about... Mm, I think it's a much bigger step. It's probably probably twice the step from Man is Born to Alyosha. There are two or three touch points on the record where I made a purposeful decision to say, throw something in here familiar, like an acoustic guitar or something, for the people who have been following us to be like, is this even the same band? Which is probably me projecting so much more. It's pretty out there. It's pretty out there. You were purposefully intending it to be that way. Oh, hugely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I stopped worrying about um, what, like, folk music was allowed to be or what rock music was supposed to be. And because I've always, we, you know, we want to we want to buy into narratives. And um, I've always tried to type our band because I always have to be the one talking about it. And so, what kind of music is it? Well, it's psychedelic indie rock or, you know. Um, and everybody says, what? <laughs> Stoner jams for English majors. You know, it's just yeah. um, <laughs> uh, art rock for your mind. Uh, those are some that I've come up with. Um, but at the end of the day, those labels are only good for marketing. And so this record was a very big, just like, I don't care what anything's supposed to sound like. Like, this is what I wanted to hear. This is a Joshua Powell song. Then do you ever worry about what your fans think? All the time, dude. I don't know if anyone is <laughs> going to be... I, we wouldn't have made the music if we didn't think it was good. And so we know that there's somebody that's going to get into it. I don't know if it's going to be the same people. But, uh, you know, I don't like every Neil Young record. I don't like every Sufjan record. But those artists, I think, prove their salt to us at some point. And so most of us are willing to stick with them along the artistic journey and see each record that they make as a time capsule, which, you know, I don't know what our next record's going to sound like, but this is what I sound like right now. Well, let's take it back a little bit. Let's talk about the song Birth Control. That's a brilliant retelling of the story of Abraham and Isaac. I love the line here. It says, you judge the dead and quick, but that was awful and sick to flicker like a candle. I am not a man that gambles. What if no ram came? I got that ram tattooed on my leg here. Ooh, that was a good tattoo. Then how do you deal with the parts of your faith that are a struggle? It's interesting. My dad, last week, he finished this book called Tactics, which is like a systematic apologetic. And he said, hey, I just finished this. I really liked it. Uh, 
would you be interested in it? And I said, no, thanks. <laughs> and he was taken aback. Like, I think he was uh, minutely bummed at first. And But I said, here's the deal, Dad. Like, I grew up with, like, a stringently Christian education. Um, my parents are people of faith, ministers, second, third generation ministers. Um, I went to Christian schools for my entire life. So I've been in, you know, every Bible study, small group, cell group, you know, apologetics, exegesis, biblical worldview classes that the world had to offer. Um, and so if there was an element of Christianity that someone would want to take issue in a conversation with or question me about, I feel like I can usually have, I know what I believe about that, and here's my answer. Uh, I'm trying more so to do that less these days and say, I know what I believe about that, but what do you believe? Let me hear from you, and I'll try to learn. Well, the rabbinical way. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, but then the other thing is, I said, if there's a question that somebody has where it's like, how could a loving God let evil happen? Or like, why would God like lead Abraham on up into that point with the ram? I could be like, I don't know either. It's weird. It's hard stuff. I don't have all the answers. I don't know. And I'm very comfortable saying that with anybody. And and instead of saying, no, I need to have a systematic defense, I don't feel the need to defend religion and I don't feel the need to defend Christ. Like I think Christ stands on his own and not a lot of people can take issue with uh, just that dude's style. I've also been enjoying this song, Cave of Clouds, from Alyosha. That's where your poetic style really comes out. From the lip of the cave of clouds, casting mountains in the sea to watch the ripple moon, we disregard the sinking sounds any more pretty little creatures that we are. And it also shares the line, it's not all bad to be alone. Back to technology, everybody's so connected by it. How do you distance yourself enough to actually be alone? Oh, dude, being alone is my forte. Uh, uh, <laughs> I thought you had friends. I, I have great friends and uh, live with several of them. But uh, yeah, this job, being out in a band and, and touring and everything is the most socially taxing thing in the entire world, especially because this is an industry based on kindness and connections and sincerity. So take a person... Any person, even if you were socially geared outward, say, okay, well, you have to go out and you have to be nice to everybody all the time, but you also have to mean it. You know, <laughs> it's just like, yeah. because, you know, at the end of the day in, in the music industry, you're going to work with the people that you want to hang out with. And we want to be the type of people that you want to hang out with. Um, but I require time by myself to recharge. And I wrote that song when I was coming off of a year and a half of permanent touring where I didn't have an address. I was just couch surfing mm. with like no end date. And I was loving it so much, seeing the country and making all these friends and having all these really deep and rich experiences, but I was running myself into the ground and I didn't realize it because I didn't know myself well. And my mental health was at an all-time low and my physical health was at an all-time low. And I just petered out, man. I was alone in an apartment and I had those lines that came to me because it was great. <laughs> it was great to be by myself and be quiet. And now I'm usually by myself and quiet with my small cat who isn't quiet, but... She doesn't count as social. You know, she gets me. We don't have to talk. So I've been talking mostly about the music from Alyosha, your third album. The second release from Joshua Powell and the Green Train Robbery. You bring in a song with a line about a straight dog in a crooked creek. Oh, it's actually Stray Dog. Stray Dog. Yeah, been a lot of people have asked me about that, and I just didn't used to enunciate very well. Then that's going to oh, just no, no. totally where's defunct that. that. Where's that question going, dude? Okay, well, <laughs> it's going to go about know. a straight dog in a crooked creek. And I said, would you ever say that the music of Joshua Powell is the opposite? That your music is actually a crooked dog in a straight creek? 
because you don't <laughs> because you don't fit the typical mold. I I like I like that. <laughs> Can that's you change the song the new, lyrics to suit? What kind of band are you guys? We're a crooked dog in a straight creek. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to get everybody wondering. They're going to go home and stay up all night. I hope so. You know, they'll pour through the lyrics and look for you know Easter eggs and try to figure out dog references. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think there is a there, there is are. a new dog a reference on references? the new record. Yeah. Oh, dude! I just realized there's dogs on all my albums. Because there's that one, and then there's that's from Mansborn, right? And then there's the black dogs in the field of, on Indiana, off yeah. Alyosha. And then Bright Deceiver from the new record, All the Dogs Die. <laughs> <laughs> no more, no more dogs. And then we raise new ones. That's part of the yeah. story, too. But it, yeah, all, all the dogs die in that record. Have your cat and you talked about this? Oh, uh, she <laughs> she's all over the demos for the record. I mean, she's, she's been sitting there watching me write the whole thing easy one for you okay. and hard at the same time great so i've often asked this of artists who come on the antidote is there a song from joshua powell in the great train robbery that sums up your music yeah gunfighter is one that like incorporates a lot of the stuff that it's got the folk trappings from before but then it also has the psychedelic stuff and it's a narrative and it's right um but i mean it doesn't type the new stuff at all either the new Magic stuff to me almost seems like a psychedelic orchestration it's like oh, a, no the, the um, new album psychedelic orchestration yeah in the sense of uh you can't just pin down stylistically like one song off yeah, the album yeah it's it's all it's almost really, yeah, a piece older. of a larger manifestation the antidote's been speaking with joshua powell and the great train robbery which is all of the guys here on a hot muggy night guys thanks for coming Thanks for having us, man. Good yeah, to be it's here. Been real. Yeah, it's been a good time. Yeah, thank you very much, Dave. I appreciate your hospitality.